All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to the At Close of Business podcast. I'm Isabel Vieira with your Thursday afternoon headlines. South32 has launched legal action against IGO, claiming it was owed $122 million in royalties from the Tropicana gold mine operations since 2014. IGO announced on the market today it has been served a writ lodged by South32 Royalty Investments Pty Ltd in the Supreme Court of WA after close of business yesterday. In its ASX statement, IGO said it rejected South32's allegations and considered the claim to be without merit. IGO said it no longer had an interest in the Tropicana gold mine after selling its 30% stake to Regis Resources on May 31, 2021. To read more, visit businessnews.com.au. In other news, backers of a multi-million dollar aquaculture precinct mooted for Esperance are hopeful of luring major seafood companies to the Greenfield site on the south coast. Under the $10 million to $40 million project, a 140 hectare area would be opened on Wiley Bay Road near Esperance as a specialised precinct for aquaculture and related industries. That scale would make it one of Western Australia's largest landside aquaculture parks and would unlock sorely needed space in the constrained sector. Esperance Dalarak Native Title Aboriginal Corporation has purchased the land and is working with abalone harvesters Yamba and ASX-listed Rare Foods Australia to gauge interest and approach investors. The project came about through Rare Foods Australia and Yamba's abalone farm trial at the site, which was put on ice in 2022 due to escalating costs. And lastly, Clive Palmer's Mineralogy was the nation's largest political donor last financial year, while a private WA company donated more than $1 million to a group behind the Voice to Parliament referendum's No campaign. Mineralogy, which earns significant royalties from the Sino-Iron Magnite project run by China's Citic Pacific Mining in the Pilbara, donated more than $7 million to Mr Palmer's own United Australia Party last financial year. The spend was almost seven times more than that of WA's Hadley Holdings Pty Ltd, which contributed $1.02 million to Advance Australia in the lead-up to the voice referendum. Advance Australia was the Conservative lobby group which led the No campaign. Hadley Holdings was the nation's second highest political donor over the period and was one of only four which spent more than a million dollars. To read more, visit the Business News website. That's all from me. Up next on the podcast, Jack McGinn and Nadia Budihadro discuss Jack's sit-down interview with Julie Bishop about her post-political career. Celebrate business leaders, entrepreneurs and trailblazers with business news events. With our flagship event series, bespoke online events, webinars, book launches and gala awards programs. Our forums showcase the policies and issues affecting Western Australia within industry and government. Our events are your platforms to engage and connect with the Western Australian business community. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash events for more information. Welcome back to At Close of Business. I'm Nadia Budihajo and I'm joined by Jack McGinn today. Jack, how are you? Good, thank you. Jack, in the recent edition of the Business News magazine, you sat down with Julie Bishop, who also graced the cover for the edition. Uh, You had a wide-ranging interview with her. What did she have to say about life after politics? I did. It was my second time interviewing Julie Bishop. 
so the first time that I met her was during her time as uh, foreign affairs minister and it was a very different experience. It was up in her ministerial office overlooking the Swan River. Uh, it was a one-on-one interview. She'd been up since 3am or something dealing with an international crisis yeah. and, and she'd made time for us that morning. So this experience was very different. Uh, this was in a coffee shop uh, in Cottesloe, sort of in the corner of the strip there. And I have to say, I got the impression that Julie Bishop lives a, lo- a much more relaxed life mm. post-politics. So she obviously left the parliament a few years ago now. And since then, she's been quietly chipping away at uh, at her own interests. I, I feel like she's not someone that's ever short of uh, things to do. Uh, there seems to be plenty of demand for her on the speaking circuit uh, and her input in certain things. Uh, she's got a partnership uh, with one of the department stores. I believe it's David Jones. Mm. And um, she's the only Australian politician, as far as I'm aware, that has a Barbie doll made in her likeness. Uh, I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So she had that. But look, Julie Bishop is keeping very busy. She's a resident of the Curtin electorate and quite content being a resident of the Curtin electorate was the impression that I got. Um, well, it's obviously her former electorate now held by a, by a Teal Independent. And um, yeah, she's been busy. So how has she used her decades of experience in well, both the legal and political spheres in her current advisory role? Yeah, so one of the things and sort of I guess the reason that prompted this catch up was basically uh, towards the end of the year, Julie Bishop put a post on LinkedIn um, sharing a website for her advisory firm, Julie Bishop and Partners. Now, Julie Bishop and Partners isn't a new business. This has been going for a few years now, but towards the on the tail end of last year, they decided to scale it up a little bit and they, they launched a, a website and she, she did a LinkedIn post sort of sharing the website. Uh, it was sort of incorrectly reported in some places being a new business, right. not a new business, but it definitely mm. represented a, I suppose, a formalization and a scale up of her activities. Um, and she said that since launching the website, inquiry had been pretty significant. So how does she use her time in the parliament? Well, I think when you're someone as uh, politically high profile as Julie Bishop, you, you make great connections. Mm. Uh, and that certainly was something that she put across was that sometimes there are introductions she can make and, 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 and connections that she can sort of turn to when, uh, when she needs to. She also has an extensive understanding of, of foreign affairs, international relations and international cultures and diplomacy and all of that stuff, which mm. you can only imagine for an Australian business doing business overseas, uh, that's going to be of huge value. So you can, you can understand why her services would be in high demand there as well. And yeah, look, I, I, I got the impression that, that things are going pretty well in that world. Uh, she's certainly not the only one that's sort of gone into business post-politics, um, but she seems to have done it in a very Julie Bishop way, I guess, the way that you would expect Julie Bishop to do that. Mm. I mean, you just mentioned that she's not the only former politician who stepped into these kind of you know advisory and consultancy roles after their time in parliament. Who else have gone through this similar path? Yeah, uh, so I put together a bit of a table looking at some of the people that had ventured out into into business and advisory services and that sort of world. Um, I suppose the the most high profile, obvious ones lately have been uh, Ben Wyatt, who's picked up a lot of directorships um, at a number of high profile companies with significant operations in Western Australia. Um, 
since he left the parliament. I think that was in, in 2021. And he's been followed into that world by uh, the former Premier Mark McGowan, who we, we know resigned mm. uh, in May last year, citing exhaustion and has subsequently picked up a bunch of uh, advisory roles. Um, part-time, casual things. He also, he, he's a, uh, he works for Joe Hockey's advisory firm, Bondi Partners. Richard Court is probably a bit of a WA trailblazer in this regard. Mm. Uh, so Richard Court, having been the Premier through the 90s into the early 2000s, stepped away from Parliament and forged quite a successful career in uh, working uh, across a, a range of different businesses and through his own uh, advisory or consulting business. Um, he spent quite a bit of time at KPMG, I believe. Uh, he also spent time as ambassador to, J- to Japan. But yeah, he's been someone that's been quite prolific in that regard. Kim Beasley. Kim Beasley, someone who's sort of in between a stint as the governor, you know, uh, done some pretty significant things in, in the world of business as well. The list kind of goes on. And I think it's it comes back to this idea that, and this is something that Julie Bishop put to me, is that uh, politicians no longer leave the parliament with an empty tank. Mm. Like the next step, I think it was her words, the next step isn't to a retirement home for politicians. And she looks at advisory services and what she's doing at the moment is sort of a third career past her time in the legal profession yeah. then into the parliament and then moving on into this um into this world and she hopes that she can do this for another 20 years so mm. yeah it really does tie back to the idea that just because you know the politicians are retiring from politics doesn't mean they're retiring altogether and i think that's a trend we're probably going to see more and more as the years go on uh, sounds like it's the perhaps beginning of a new chapter for Julie Bishop or maybe a continuance of what's really the trajectory of her career. You can read Jack's full story and the comprehensive list that he has compiled online or in the January 29 to February 11 edition of the Business News magazine. Jack, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Nadia. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.